This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. Clean air is a basic human right, but air pollution has become one of the greatest environmental risk factors for human health. Exposure to air pollution is a leading global health risk which causes ill health and millions of premature deaths each year worldwide. A recent report titled Different Air Under One Sky, the Inequity Air Research, was published by Greenpeace India and estimates that 100% of the population in Malaysia live in areas with air pollution levels that are above the WHO's guidelines for safe air quality. But clean air is not only an issue of environmental health, but one of equity and justice as well. Risks are not evenly distributed among the population, with some groups of people at greater risk of harm. So today on the show, I'm going to discuss this study and other key findings from the report, including the need to have real-time information about the quality of the air that we breathe with Heng Kia Chun, he's a Greenpeace Malaysia campaigner, and Yung Jen Chen, he's a Greenpeace Global Air Pollution Unit senior campaigner. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you today? Yep, hello. Good. Hello, Julia. Very good. Thank you so much for joining me today. So um, I guess, you know, just, just to sort of get some introductions in the way, of course, Heng, you're based in uh, here in Malaysia, but uh, Jen, you're based in Taiwan, am I correct? Yes. Okay. And you are working for uh, the uh, Greenpeace Global Air Pollution Unit. Uh, tell me a little bit about the work that you do. Uh, the Global Air Pollution Unit is a uh, research and campaigning unit that helping uh, all the national and regional offices in Greenpeace who are working on clean air issues, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the global south countries. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that. So, um, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier, um, WHO uh, reports that 7 million people die each year worldwide due to air pollution, while 99% of the world's population now breathes polluted air. Uh, and, you know, according to the WHO's data, low and middle income countries are the ones suffering the most from greatest levels of exposure. So that brings me to uh, this report that was published by Greenpeace, right? And that I think was in conjunction with UN International Day of Clean Air for Blue Skies, which was earlier this month. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, the the basis and the genesis of that study. Um, you know, what were the aims, uh, all of that? Uh, Jen, you want to take that? Yeah. Uh, I think since the WHO updated the uh, newest guideline last year, on the last year, the UN uh, Clean Air for Blue Sky Day, and once the uh, guideline updated, we are uh, eager to understand what is the exposure level in different countries worldwide. So uh, since WHO has published that uh, nearly 100%, I think, uh, from them, they're saying 99% of the, uh, the worldwide population are exposing uh, to the unhealthy air. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that comes to us that uh, is there any differences for uh, different vulnerable groups, especially because uh, from WHO's uh, report, they are talking about the total population, which that didn't uh, actually indicate the uh, inequity within different population. That's the reason why we are uh, trying to identify what is the exposure level for different vulnerable groups, uh, including the infants, uh, the uh, elder generation, uh, elder adults, and the pregnant people. Uh, we look, look into the uh, distribution of where they're residents mm-hmm. and then see their different exposure level and also their accessibility to air quality station in our research. Okay, all right. And I understand that you investigated air pollution in seven countries, am I correct? And that was sort of uh, by assessing people's access to air quality monitoring stations and also the exposure to air pollution, right? 
Yes. Okay. Tell me a little bit. Uh, I mean, which are the seven countries? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, the seven countries are India, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, and Turkey, uh, and Philippines, uh, and South Africa. Okay. All right. And, you know, just now you were talking about the uh, WHO's uh, new air quality guidelines, right? And that was, uh, of course, designed to protect uh, public health. Uh, can you talk to me? I- I'm not sure if this is something you can answer, but how these guidelines were derived? Or what are some of the things that came out there? Uh, I think the key update is that the health risk level are uh, constantly updating because uh, from the previous guideline, I think, uh, uh, take PM2.5, for example, the annual exposure uh, over, uh, I think, 15 microgram per cubic meter in the previous guideline is considered as an unhealthy air. Uh, but due to new research and new evidence on the health risks, uh, the WHO guideline updated last year that uh, even over 5 microgram per cubic meter annually is unhealthy. So that's a uh, really new breakthrough, and that also indicates that uh, the safe level of uh, air pollution is actually really strict. Mm. So under five uh, annually is actually a really hard to achieve target, but that's a, a basic guideline that we should all follow and we should all aim for. For, for folks who don't understand what PM2.5 is, could you help break that down? Uh, it, it's the particular matters that that's a really tiny little particular matters that would go through your lungs and, and actually that would harm your lung and it affect your health. Okay, all right. So basically very dangerous, isn't it, for our health? Uh, and, and that's the sort of guideline that uh, the WHO has said. Okay, so um, now talk to me about the report. So, you know, seven countries. Um, uh, and um, I guess, you know, what would you say are some of the uh, key findings uh, that you'd like to highlight, especially for our listeners? Uh, I think the findings for the exposure level is not very different from WHO findings. But what we found particularly is well, the vulnerable groups in those countries are tend to exposure uh, more seriously than uh, general population. So you'll, you can uh, see that uh, like infants or elder adults or, or the pregnant people are tend to expose to higher level PM2.5. And other than that, the air quality accessibility is another key aspect in this research. Uh, that in these countries uh, generally could be understand as developing country, um, they are actually having less accessibility to governmental air quality station comparing to developed country, for example, like Japan or Germany, uh, those kind of uh, developed countries that have, have a very good coverage of governmental air quality station. Okay, all right. And um, and let's talk a little bit more about the vulnerable groups, right? So those include, as you mentioned, uh, infants, elderly citizens, so those are folks who are over 65 years of age and pregnant people, right? And they were disproportionately affected by these high pollutant uh, concentrations, right? Um, and But I, I think the interesting thing is they also have less access to local air quality data when compared to the total population, right? Talk to me a little bit about that. I think generally the vulnerable groups tend to live in uh, marginal uh, communities, uh, which means they are uh, actually living in uh, comparatively low income areas Mm -hmm. or comparatively with less uh, administrative caring 
that may be living in some of the communities that is uh, less attention by the government. Uh, so that tends to the uh, less the let them tends to uh, have lack lack of access. True. Uh, which means there are residents uh, living far away from the air quality station. Uh, so that, uh, for example, if they live 25 kilometers away from an air quality station, uh, you could understand that there's no way that that air quality station resides far, far away could represent the ambient air of where they're living. So that's a key issue and key problem in this research we found. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, were there any sort of universal themes that you noticed from country to country regarding air pollution uh, based on the results of this study? Yeah, uh, in, in these countries, actually, this trend is very obvious for uh, most of the countries we're, we're doing, although the level of uh, lack of accessibility differs. Uh, for example, Indonesia or India are actually uh, less access to air quality station comparatively Malaysia uh, is a bit better, okay. uh, but but uh, it's still comparatively bad uh, comparing to Germany or Japan. Okay, all right. So um, so there are running themes, and uh, it seems to be quite the same in all these all these different countries. And I guess you know this brings about the fact that this is not just uh, an issue of air pollution, but also of uh, justice and social inequity. Right? That was the base. Uh, that was also one of the bottom line findings from this. Yes, yes. What we're hoping is that um, all the citizens could be could have access within 10 kilometers. That's what we uh, hope because when we look into Japan and Germany, uh, when we're considering the distance of 10 kilometers, like a hundred, almost a hundred percent or over 90 percent of their over uh, a total population is covered. Uh, but let's say Malaysia, for example, uh, if we're talking about 10 kilometers uh, as a distance, like half of the population in Malaysia are covered, okay. but half of them are not. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of those who are not uh, possibly those from lower income groups or, you know, without access to, to, um, yeah, to information, to justice and all of that, right? Yeah. So that also different, uh, differs in different uh, administrative areas. For for, uh, for example, Kuala Lumpur have, have the best uh, accessibility because I guess uh, the government puts more attention on the uh, capital cities. Sure. Uh, that, that's uh, quite a uh, clear trend for every country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, clean air should not be uh, a... A privilege for those uh, capital cities only because it, it's every citizen in the country needs to have their basic human rights. Okay, all right. Uh, let's focus a bit more on Malaysia, but let's just go for one quick break and then we'll come back and talk to Heng maybe about, you know, uh, what's happening over here in Malaysia. I'm speaking today to Yung Jen Chen. He's a senior campaigner with Greenpeace Global Air Pollution Unit and Heng Kia Chun, a campaigner with Greenpeace Malaysia. Sorry, Heng, we've not been speaking with you yet. We'll talk to you more after this break. We're talking about a new uh, study which was titled Different Air Under One Sky, the Inequity Air Research, which was published by Greenpeace. And it estimates actually that, I mean, 100% of the population in Malaysia live in areas with air pollution levels that are above the WHO's guidelines for safe air quality. We'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me on the line today are folks from Greenpeace. We have, I've got Heng Kia Chun. He's a campaigner with Greenpeace Malaysia. And Yung Jen Chen, he's a senior campaigner with the Greenpeace Global Air Pollution Unit. We're talking about a new study that was just released titled Different Air Under One Sky, The Inequity Air Research. Um, you know, it found that clean air is not only an issue of environmental health, but one of equity and justice as well. So we're discussing, we're breaking down that study and what it actually means, you know, for us living here. Um, so so before the break, uh, you know, Jen helped break down uh, some of the findings for the report, you know, uh, based on the seven different countries that were uh, that were studied in this report. Um, but, uh, hey, maybe we can talk about Malaysia now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was reading another study back in June also uh, that Greenpeace worked on, Greenpeace Malaysia worked on, but that was in with the Centre for Research on Energy and Clean Air, right? And that found an estimated 32,000 avoidable deaths occur in Malaysia every year because of air pollution. How bad is air pollution uh, in Malaysia, you know, and what are the sources of air pollution in Malaysia? Yeah, okay, yeah, thank you, Juliet. Uh, first of all, just to recap like, what have we done uh, in the past few months. So in June 2022, Greenpeace, together with uh, the think tank, Centre for Research on Clean Energy and Clean Air, we have released a report to highlight uh, the health and economic impact of ambient air quality in Malaysia. So we would uh, segregate this into two impacts. The first one, we focus on the economic impact so the, if the estimated annual economic cost of ambient air pollution in Malaysia is estimated at about like uh, 303, 303 billions uh, or 20% of the country's GDP in 2019. Mm. That's very huge. Yeah. So the other one is health impact. So the impact of the long-term exposure to this poor air quality on human health is worse than previously, uh, previously estimated. And it is estimated that there are 32,000 avoidable deaths, or known as uh, premature death, occur in Malaysia every year because of this uh, air pollution. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's huge, isn't it? I mean, the, the key word here is avoidable deaths, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And again, you know, maybe uh, you can help break down what are some of the sources of air pollution here in Malaysia? Uh, there are different types of the source of uh, air pollution. It could also come from the uh, fossil fuel, uh, the uh, gas, the toxic gas released by fossil fuel industry produced by the vehicle, the transport, and they are also mainly in Malaysia. They are also mainly caused by the transboundary haze, which is also the uh, the haze caused the biomass burning caused mm-hmm. by uh, the transboundary haze from Indonesia, which is also contributing contributed by Malaysians' own company. That is also why we released this report to highlight that. Clean air is a basic human right. We need to we need everyone's efforts to reduce these air pollutions together. Okay, all right. And, uh, you know, just going back to the study that we're talking about today, isn't it? Uh, let's talk about the findings from Malaysia. So, again, you know, just to, to repeat, right, basically 100% of the total population in Malaysia uh, are breathing air that exceeds WHO health re- uh, health-based guidelines, right, with respect to PM2.5. Um, uh, yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, um, is it uh, vulnerable groups, again, that are, you know, more exposed to these PM2.5 concentrations that breach the WHO guidelines? Yeah, I think that in in September 2021, the WHO has already updated its recommended uh, recommended air, air ambient air quality guidelines for the first time since 2005. Yeah. So this revised guideline also stipulated that the an, average annual concentrations of PM 2.5 should not more than five microgram uh, per cubic meters. And then for Malaysia, in our finding, most of the areas are exposed. Or uh, more than uh, five microgram per cubic meter, which is between five to twenty-five. Okay. So in our finding, there are 
a total of 65 governmentals, eight quality stations in Malaysia. And then the second one is overall, there are 20% 20, 20 of the total country's populations do not have access to air quality stations within 25 kilometers. Mm -hmm. And I take one example, um, 30 out of 144 districts in Malaysia, uh, almost the entire populations have no access to an air quality stations within 25%, uh, such as uh, Lahatatu, Kinapatangan, and um, Hilepera. All these are the examples of districts with large populations who have no district to local air quality data. So what does it mean? Yeah. It means that in populated districts in Malaysia have a higher percentage of people with access to air quality stations within uh, 10 kilometers. On the other hand, in other, in around 22% uh, of districts in Malaysia, the entire district has no access to air quality stations uh, within 25 uh, kilometers. So uh, in conclusions, I mean, long story short is that 100% of us, especially the vulnerable group like older adults, infants, pregnant peoples, all of them were exposed to annual average of PM2.5 concentrations over 5 microgram per cubic meter. This will also uh, mean that all these vulnerable groups face greater health risks from all this long-term exposure uh, on to this uh, PM2.5 uh, pollutions. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, all this exposure is a health risk, isn't it? Because it causes ill health uh, in millions of people. And as we mentioned earlier, premature deaths, uh, not just in Malaysia, but worldwide, isn't it? I mean, just looking at Malaysia, are there any sort of other stats that you can share, you know, with regard to this, that, you know, why we should be worried, why this is a health, uh, this is also a health emergency? Yeah, there, of course, uh, clean air is a, is is uh, air pollution is a health emergency because uh, during after the pandemics, uh, we all know that if we if if the policymakers do not take serious action to tackle these air pollution uh, problems, it will also make the current uh, I think COVID pandemics uh, the situation even worse. Yeah. Why? Because the co the COVID pandemic already caused a lot of burden to our current uh, uh, the the healthcare systems. If we if governments do not take any actions at all, so it will uh, give more burdens to the current uh, healthcare system, and even will make the problem even worse. We all know that in these few months, Malaysia is having lots of this uh, flash flood, heavy rains, and people are talking about this uh, the flash flood issue. But at the same time, there are another serious problem coming in, which is air pollution. We all know that the transboundary haze could be back, and drought season could be back, and there are more air pollutions. So, which means uh, the policymakers should start to uh, do lots of preparations to prevent another disaster, which is this uh, air pollution problem. Mm -hmm. And will these sorts of uh, uh, health impacts also have corresponding economic costs as well? Yep, uh, yeah, I, what I uh, mentioned uh, just now in the uh, economic impact in the reports, the, and the estimated annual economic cost is, uh, is, country, is about 20% of the country's GDP in 2019. On all these uh, costs could have been avoided if the policymaker uh, done it earlier. And all this, uh, no matter uh, who you are, when, no matter you are the businesses, the vulnerable group of just uh, humans, uh, as, as long as we are humans, we are all suffer from all these air pollution problems. So we need to take these uh, air pollution problems uh, seriously. Mm -hmm. Okay, and just focusing on Malaysia again, I mean, so yes, you, you mentioned the government needs to take action. Uh, what would you say are some of the key recommendations for the Malaysian government that you can t uh, talk to us about? Uh, there are three recommendations to Malaysian government. The first one, uh, we require, uh, we uh, suggest that Malaysian Ministry of Environment and Water to explicitly make the public health and ecosystem health 
as the main objective of its air quality governance frameworks. The second one is to make uh, ambient air quality standard legally binding, time-bound and enforceable. Okay. The third one is to strengthen the governance of ambient air quality standard through transparency, access to informations, public participations and account accountability. Okay, all right. And uh, Jen, if I can just talk to you now, you, uh, the report also has a wider range of recommendations. What are some of the recommendations you can tell us about? Uh, I think in general, a well-designed air quality monitoring network and also the mitigation interventions can support all the authorities in meeting the air quality targets and ensuring that uh, uh, the government could have continuous improvement in all the places uh, for different pollutants as well. So uh, the data should, should be provided to the public and the data should be constantly monitoring so that uh, the government could make interventions based on the data and, and work on the interventions that could best uh, approve the air quality in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, the, these two, I suppose, you know, the question also some might ask is, you know, what are the, uh, what are the ways we can actually decrease uh, air pollution? You know, what are some recommendations uh, in terms of that? Uh, Jen, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I think in most of the country, burning fossil fuels is the major uh, 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 causes uh, uh, for the air pollution, and it is also the biggest cause for uh, for uh, climate change as well. So uh, we're also say, uh, we're always saying that uh, solving climate change and solving air pollution actually needs the same intervention, uh, which is uh, reducing the use of fossil fuel and the energy transition as well. So that's the most cases in in, uh, in every countries in the world. Uh, but in, in Malaysia, I think, I think it's quite different because it's transpondering haze issue. So I'll let Hang to say more about that. Yeah, go ahead, Hang. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, in this uh, conclusions is uh, the is like the revised WHO air limits guideline is a wake up call that we have to take these urgent actions to uh, tackle air pollutions, and thirty air affects everyone on this planet and. Unfortunately, some groups of the people are impacted more than more than uh, people and other peoples, and they have less power to change the situations. So, meaning that in for Malaysia context, Malaysian government sh again should make the ambient air quality standard legally binding, time bound, and enforceable through transparency, access to information, and accountability. Last but not least, the Malaysian government should also consider to have a transboundary haze act so that it can also hold the Malaysian counter uh, company. Uh, abroad, operating abroad to accountable. So it can also reduce all these uh, transboundary haze uh, problems. Mm -hmm. So my so from uh, my side, I would say like this, clean air is become a luxury. So it became a luxury. Really. And clean air should be treated as a, a basic human uh, basic human right. So all of us should demand for clean, healthy and sustainable uh, environments. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, the, the thing is, right, sometimes we feel it, right? We know that the air is not clean. We can see that, you know, the, the air is dirty, but there's no actual sort of recourse to seek, isn't it? To say like, hey, why, why is the air like this today? Why am I breathing in this air? Why am I feeling bad? Yeah. Okay. Um. I. I guess you know. Um. To you, just just looking at this study, you know, what was the most striking finding uh, for the both of you? Uh, Jen, you want to go first? I think which struck me the most is the lack of access for those countries, uh, because I know uh, for the past most countries in this research has put a lot of efforts on a cleaner governance. Um, but it's still striking that the coverage of the air quality station 
is actually still uh, scarce. Uh, it's not not yet sufficient. Um, that that would make the all the cleaner governments or in, in interventions uh, seems a little bit effortless or not efficient at, at, uh, overall because uh, if you don't have the sufficient data that could provide all the uh, all the comprehensive analysis, uh, then the interventions could be a little bit um, uh, in, uh, in, insufficient, mm -hmm. I guess. Okay, all right. And uh, for Heng, you know, what, what struck you the most, you know, once, uh, you know, looking through the findings of these studies? Uh, I think same with uh, what Jens had mentioned, uh, is about the transparency and access to informations. Uh, we need uh, more information so that we can call out the big polluters. We need more in informations and all this uh, transparency so that we can put all these big polluters under the spotlight. And at the same time, once we have the access to information, this will be also a good opportunity for the businesses, the industry, that uh, to show that which industry or which businesses are making positive commitment. Once the governments uh, put the big polluter under the spotlight, then that will also provide, um, I would say, like the positive, um, uh, positive. Uh, I mean, the the the, the check and become a check and balance, mm -hmm. so that the the governments can hold the big polluter accountable, and then we can also ensure a sustainable uh, development. Okay. All right. Um, thank you so much, gentlemen, you know, for sharing. And so if folks would like to, you know, uh, read this report and, you know, use it in whatever way, uh, what is the best way that they can, uh, that they get, that they can do that? Mm, yeah, I think that uh, for more information, you can go to our Greenpeace, uh, Mal Greenpeace Malaysia website and you can access all our reports, our latest reports and publications about uh, clean air and also air pollutions. Okay, all right. So just head to greenpeace.org uh, and I guess, you know, just search for air quality and air pollution and, you know, take you to all the right links. My thanks again to both my guests. I've been speaking to Heng Kia Chun, a campaigner with Greenpeace Malaysia, and Yung Jen Chen, a senior campaigner from a Greenpeace Global Air Pollution Unit. We were discussing the new study that was just released called Different Air Under One Sky, the Inequity Air Research. Again, just head to the Greenpeace website to find out more. But if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.